Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the privilege that we have now. Thank you for the minutes that we have before us that we'll never get back again. Help us to understand and realize that you're the very creator of life, that you're the author of the Bible that we have in front of us today. Every word's inspired. Every word's inerrant. It's the truth of, of your word that we cling to today. And Lord, help us to recognize that you're worthy of our praise. This worship service isn't a ball game, uh, a time to just get up and walk around. It's a time to focus and to worship you, King Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you. You can go ahead and be seated. And I want you to take your Bible and join me this morning in Matthew 26. It's also good to see Gladys Howe. Uh, here back with us today. God bless you, Gladys. Great to have you. And, and it's good to see a number of folks that we haven't been able to see in a while, and we praise God for that. What would you feel like? Let, let me just use a married couple in this room. Let me use Harold and Stephanie Bailey as an example. Now, I did not do their wedding, but let's just suppose that they were getting married in this church, and we're all here for the service. And Harold brings, or he comes out with, the, with me, and, and the beautiful bride comes down. And I ask, who gives this woman to be this man? And her family's seated, and there they are. And I said, Harold... Do you take this woman whose hand you hold to love her with all of your heart for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer, do you take Stephanie to be your wedded wife? And Harold says, I think so. <laughs> Would you agree with me this morning that decisions matter in life? Hey, decisions will matter when you leave the church today. What do you mean? What side of the road you drive on? How fast do you want to go? Uh, the other day, uh, I, I, I went home and Chief had somebody pulled over. So I just felt led to send him a text and said, Brother, is there grace in your heart? And he, he responded to me a little later, obviously after he, after he got done with the stop, and he said, Brother, there is grace in my heart, but it was not extended to the guy I just pulled over. <laughs> hey, decisions matter. And this morning, as we join together in Matthew chapter 26, we're going to look at this key area when we think about the cross and when we think about the journey to Easter, the greatest love story ever told. Amen? And ever known. As the Lord Jesus moves closer to Calvary, Matthew's gospel begins to focus on four during this time of arrest and, and beatings and punishment. Now, two of them we're fairly familiar with. One of them we looked at last week, and, and that was Peter. The very, the very one who said, Lord, I'll go with you all the way, I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes the one who drew his sword in the garden, the one who thought he could protect Jesus, 
heard the words of the master say, you'll deny me three times and the rooster will crow. And Peter's like, it's not going to happen to me. And we recognize that it does, and it did. Judas is one we certainly are familiar with. And Pilate is the other when you look at this passage of Scripture. Uh, prior to come, becoming your pastor, I was selected, Bev, to be part of the drama Easter pageant. And I thought, man, who am I going to get to be? I mean, surely they won't let me be the Lord. Maybe Peter and Randy Pope said, Greg, we need a Judas. No, no, we need Pilate. How would you like to go from Judas to Pilate? I said, okay, I'm in. I thought, what, give me the script. What are my lines? I had one line. Who shall I give you? I'll go back in the role play right here. Who shall I give you, Barabbas or Jesus? Then I stepped back out of the curtain, and I put on sweatpants. I was done. I was done. Well, this morning, I want us to look at someone that we might know a little bit about, but help us understand the significance of making decisions that really matter. Jesus has been sought. He's been betrayed. He's been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we pick it up at verse 57. And those who laid hold of Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. As Jesus makes his way to Calvary, he is now presented to the religious leaders. And the Bible says that Caiaphas serves as the high priest as an intermediary between God and Israel. He was considered the highest-ranking spiritual leader of Israel. One of his unique responsibilities was to oversee the Day of Atonement. You might see that on a calendar, Yom Kippur. And it's the day when the high priest would go behind the Holy of, or into the Holy of Holies behind the veil and offer uh, sacrifice, offer sprinkle the blood at the mercy seat on behalf of the children of Israel. There would be blood placed on the head of, a, of another sacrifice, which we call the scapegoat, that would be led out into the wilderness. And here's the picture. When you give your life to Christ, when you, when you are forgiven of your sins, your sins are not only forgiven, but they're removed. They're removed. Now, what you and I want to do is pull them back up. Have you ever deleted anything on a computer that you really wish you had not deleted? Somebody say amen, amen. Am I the only one that's ever done that? And, and, and the first thing I do is go search. How do you find something you deleted? Oh, Lord, help me. Please let this come up somehow. And then you start clicking back arrows, and hopefully something has been saved somewhere. Well, I'm grateful this morning that we have Caiaphas to look at because it reminds me that the decisions we make now 
affect eternity. And let me just say this, because it's all over the news. Folks, we're living in a culture that is trying to, to, to make us Sodom and Gomorrah right as we look. And we need to take a firm stand on creation, man and woman. Now, that doesn't mean, listen, it doesn't mean that, that you act ungodly towards somebody who's struggling with that. But what it does mean is you and I don't have the authority to change the Word of God. And, and we're living in a day where, the listen, the ship is sailing, folks. The ship is sailing. And, and instead of going to uh, a ballot box and just checking boxes about people we don't know, do some studying before you go. Because we're living in a day unlike any other. Well, I'm telling you, Caiaphas was ruling in a day like, unlike any other. Why? Because he was dealing with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When Caiaphas was looking at Jesus, listen to me, he was looking directly at God. And yet, failed to recognize it. The highest religious leader in the group. And what you find out in Scripture is that Jesus would receive everything but a fair trial. Uh, in the Old Testament, the high priest was in a position that was passed down until he served, and it would be a sentence till death. Uh, it was a hereditary office, usually held for life. But when the Romans got involved and took over leadership, it became an appointed office. Guess what they wanted? They wanted to control the leader. They wanted the leader to be a puppet for what Rome wanted, not the best interest of Israel. If you're following along with me this morning, I'm going to give you six quick things that will help us be reminded of the decisions we make. Here's the first thing when you think of Rome. The enemy of love's greatest story wants to control you. The enemy of love's greatest story wants to control you. Who's the enemy of love's greatest story? It's the devil. It's simply the devil. And, it, and listen, if you're a Christian today, he, can't, he cannot make you unsaved, but he sure can wreck your Christian walk. He sure can cause you to be a miserable Christian. And I want to tell you who the, the most miserable people are in the world. They're Christians who are out of the will of God. Man, sometimes we look around and say, what's wrong with my wife or what's wrong with my kids or my siblings? What's wrong with my church? Nothing. You might be the problem. You might be the problem because the devil's, listen, the devil will use you against you because he knows he is no match for the king of glory. He wants you to not give in to Jesus. He wants you to give in to him. So Jesus is led from the garden to Caiaphas. As we talked about the walk last week, it was a short walk. And he's walking along with some others. Now look at verse 57. And those who laid hold of him led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were gathered. The scribes and the elders. This refers to what's known as the Sanhedrin a group of 71 men from both the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, the best of the best. Uh, they were recognized by the Romans as being self-governing, and they would be in charge of the religious practice and the judicial area. 
and they would all be under the high priest. The enemy of love's greatest story wants control. The story of Rome in the day of Jesus is about control. And I want to ask you this morning, if you were to write down some things that are controlling your life, what would they be? We have three remote controls at our house. The days of RCA, channel 2, 7, 22, right? And if you could get 22, those are dating stations for you Cincinnati people, okay? Uh, and one of them is the, the one that came out of the box with the TV. But it's not just got a few numbers. It's got apps that you never use on it and things like that. And then there's another one that helps us access some stations. And then there's a third one that's a sound bar. Three, three controls. Folks, listen to me. That's not the way the Christian life is meant to be lived. And sometimes we give the devil just as much power in our life as the one who redeemed us and saved us, who has victory over the devil. Uh, you'll say, Brother Greg, why do you need all three? Well, wh what do you think I hear a lot, or the questions I have to ask Renee a lot at home? Renee, where are the remotes? Most of the time she tells me I've jammed them down into the chair or something. Uh, for Christmas, Stacy got me this thing, and I say this with all due respect to our older folks. I'm 60, I can say this. Stacy got me something that looks like it's made for senior adults. It flips over the arm of the chair and his pockets to put the remotes in. And here's what she said to me when she gave it to me. Dad, this is so you know where they're at at all times. If you put them back there, they'll be there every time you act. Go for it. And I said, Stacy, I'm not sure I like your attitude. What she was doing is trying to help. She was trying to help. And when I think about controls, folks, listen to me. The devil is not about helping you. Why? Because the enemy wants control. And the enemy is the greatest against love's greatest story. Jesus going to the cross. He wants control of you. He wants control of your life as a believer. He wants to make you unhappy. He wants to make you gripe about everything. He wants you to be unhappy with your house and your car and, and your job and, and life. That's the way the devil operates. But I'm going to share some things in a few minutes that the Lord can give you that the devil can never give you. Amen? So the Bible says those who laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest. And this Sanhedrin is gathered together. Now, it's interesting that this trial takes place at night. It's interesting that this trial takes place not in the temple complex, where later on the law would become, it can't happen at night, and it has to happen at the temple. Yet Jesus is an exception. Capital cases would only be tried in the confines of the temple. There seemed to be this great rush of judgment. Let's get this done. Let's fast track this guy because we don't know what to do with him. Now, verse 58, enter Peter once again. But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and he sat with the servants 
to see the end. So here's Peter again. He's in the high priest's courtyard now. He's seated amongst those that are watching what is taking place. And I believe Peter represents two groups of people in this building this morning. Here's the first group. The religious group that identify themselves as Christians but follow at a distance. At a distance. Here's what I love about the Logues being baptized today. They've been, in, they've been in our church for 11 years. They'll do whatever case you ask them to do. Rhett's getting older. Their family's growing. And in First Connection, week one, you write your testimony. And the testimony didn't include being baptized by immersion. Okay, now listen to me. You say, Brother Greg, I was sprinkled when I was a baby. Praise the Lord you had parents that loved you. The salvation is a decision you make in trusting Christ. And baptism follows salvation. And baptism is, is by immersion according to Scripture. Now listen, if you're here and, you're, and you say, well, I don't believe that, then you take it up with the, the word of God. I'm not, I, I can't, that's a decision you have to make. But here's what we also understood clearly before they got in the water this morning. They were saved when they gave their life to Jesus Christ. I can assure you Camden water is not special water. It's symbolic. It's symbolic. I would, I would imagine in a crowd like this, some of you are sitting here right now, and you're saying, you know what? I haven't. I'm simply going to ask you to be. At the end of the service, I'll give an invitation, and maybe you need to come today and say, Brother Greg, I'd like to do that. I won't baptize you this morning. We'll let you invite guests to be here. Amen? Hey, folks, we're a Baptist church. Don't ever apologize for the word baptism. Baptism is the first step a believer should want to take, okay? Now, you might be here and you say, I'm not ready. I, I, I got to come to the point. Then, then you pray about it just like the logs, and I have a feeling the Holy Spirit will move you to that point. So, here's good old Peter. He follows at a distance, and he reminds me of the religious group that identifies themselves as Christians, but follow at a distance. You say, Brother Greg, I just don't want to commit to this church. Okay. I can assure you, if you let Junior play on a ball team, and you decide you want to do it your way, they're going to say, no, if you want to play on this team, you're going to do it the team's way. You commit to the team. Don't spend your life, folks, arm's length and saying this is just like everything else in my life. You need Jesus Christ more than anything in your life, and as a Christian, you need him to sustain you and help you and hold you and lead you in this thing called life. Amen? If all I do is watch the news, if all I do is watch Fox News, I'm scared to death. But praise the Lord for his goodness and his grace because Peter 
Peter doesn't just stop there in identifying. I believe also Peter represents a group that is seeking. So you might be here today and or watching, and, and you're kind of wondering. You're, you want to take a good look at Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. You're, you're wondering if this Christian thing is all it's cracked up to be. You're wondering if this Christian thing is, is for real. Maybe you're basing it on somebody who was faithful as you grew, uh, maybe in school or work, or maybe you're basing it on somebody who dropped the ball and has just failed, and you've made up your mind. I'm telling you to take a good look at Jesus because he's standing right in front of Caiaphas and Caiaphas is really not sure what to do. Peter's watching from a distance. He thinks that no one sees him. Folks, he thinks no one sees him and God records this story in the Bible. Whether you're a religious person following in the distance or whether you're seeking, we're still accountable. We're all accountable to follow the Lord and to trust him. Verse 59. Twenty-six fifty-nine. Now the chief priest, the elders, and the council all sought false testimony against Jesus. to put him to death. Let me read it again. The chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. Number two in your outline. Jesus is certainly what you're looking for. Caiaphas, Jesus is what you're looking for. He is the innocent lamb of God. They bring in witnesses against him. They don't find any. And, and why would it be hard to find something against the perfect Lamb of God, the sinless Lamb of God? The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. So what do we find when we're looking for Jesus? What's standing right in front of Caiaphas? What's in front of you if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ? Here's the first one, hope. Hope. Hope beyond this life, hope that I can be forgiven for my past, hope that I have a secure home in heaven. Everybody needs hope, don't, do they not? Everybody needs a little bit of hope. You know, it's easy. It's just as easy to offer a good word as it is to be critical. You just got to look for what you want to say. I, I, sometimes uh, you, you'll be out in the public and you just hear it. Uh, years ago, Trevor and I went to a Reds game with Eric Clarkson and his dad. We sat, had great seats, sat down low. The entire ball game, two ladies behind us, blasted their church and their pastor. I, found, I felt led to introduce myself at the, end of the, at the end of the game, thinking, holy cow, how would you like to pastor these ladies? Okay? We need hope. It would have been a blessing to say, you know, we need to pray for our poor, pitiful pastor. Hope. I mean, hope. When you throw the ball up in the backyard and swing and miss, strike one, do it again, strike two. Throw it up, swing, strike three. 
I mean, you're no longer talking about a home run. You're saying, what a great pitcher this guy is. Hope. But we also need forgiveness. And the world around you needs forgiveness. I'm not talking about condoning sin. Folks, there are some decisions that that your family and our kids make and our siblings make, those close to us make, you cannot control. You can't control that. But you can choose to have a spirit of forgiveness. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's going to come run into your heart quickly. I'm telling you, you can make a decision to either help the situation or just pile drive the nail. But when you look at Jesus, you also see peace. And perhaps that's one of the characteristics that, that maybe the Roman centurion at the cross saw, how this, how this Jesus who died on the cross, he didn't fight the enemy, but he was willingly doing it. How about joy? Joy is something that starts on the inside. How about security? When you give your life to Christ, he gives you a peace knowing that he, you are in his hands We teach our kids this prayer from the beginning. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. We always wanted our kids to go to bed knowing that they had security in the presence of God. And then another one's purpose. And this might be the biggest one for folks. They're looking for purpose. Now all you students in here, listen to me. I thank God for the pursuit of academic excellence. But I'm telling you, one day you will get the parchment up on your office wall and you'll be looking for something else to complete you. You might get the big job and you're making more money than you've ever made and certainly making more money than mom and dad ever made and and you're able to buy a nice home and and cars. I, I pray that all that happens in your life, but I'm telling you, every now and then that house will get a ding on the wall, someone will scuff your car and your contentment and your peace and your joy and your purpose will not be found in things. God created you to glorify him. That's why he created you. And you can do that for his glory. Now, the problem with Caiaphas and the religious rulers is they have seen Jesus do things that only God can do. But the rub was his claim to God. Listen, folks, they had it right. They had it right when they put king of the Jews over his head on the cross. They had it right, but yet it was not accepted. The Messiah is right here in front of them. This is the one we've been praying for. Sometimes we're just like this. We pray for revival. Somebody gets saved. There are people broken at the altar, and we're thinking, what happened? What happened? And we're curious instead of saying, praise God. Praise God. Now, some things we're going to get back to the way we used to do it. One of them is the Lord's Supper, April 13th, Wednesday night, 633. If you want to be part of it, we'd love to have you. Another one is we're going to start passing the offering plates in April. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's been so easy, Brother Greg, to walk by them boxes. No, it isn't. I mean, you guys have been giving faithfully, and it's record giving. Praise God for that. But what it does is it gives us a reminder it's all worship. It's all a form of worship. The Sanhedrin had already made up their minds. We've got, to get a, we've got to do away with this. This is a threat to the way we've always done things. You know, sometimes we make up our mind about Jesus before we surrender to him. I'm not good enough. What if I mess up? 
they'll expect me to go to church if I get saved. Hey, here's another one. They'll want me to be baptized. Every believer should be baptized. It's an honor to share with the world that you're a follower of Christ. It's an honor for me to tell you that I'm married to Renee Jackson, formerly Gloria Renee Smith. Amen? I'm proud of her. I want to show her off. I'm, I'm glad when she's with me. Uh, she's a good wife. She's a good mammal. She's a good pastor's wife. She has treated this church well. She has represented us well. But listen to me. I'm proud of that. And, and your Christian life, we looked at Matthew 5 on Wednesday. You don't hide a light under a bushel. You don't cover it up. A city on a hill is to be lit up. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and tell you how wonderful you are. No, Jesus said that they may glorify the Father which is in heaven. So we're looking for somebody to lie about Jesus. Number three. You're going to have to lie if you find fault in Jesus. You're going to have to be a liar to find fault in the sinless, perfect Lamb of God. Now, their deal was, you're claiming to be God. That's blasphemy. Hey, listen, it, it wasn't a lie. Jesus is God. He is God. And the Bible says that nothing has come his way, nothing has come your way that he's not aware of, and he's shown us how to have victory over it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And Caiaphas really battled with the fact that Jesus was not saying anything. That's just a picture of Scripture, isn't it? Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Verse 60. But they found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, false witnesses, too, came forward. I believe right here, folks, that somebody was paid to come forward. Someone was paid simply to lie about Jesus. And the law said if you could have two or three witnesses, then there would be a case. Number four. Jesus is the hero of love's greatest story. Amen? What a model to follow. What a motto, motto to follow. Verse 62, or let, let's just, uh, 61. And the witnesses said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. Now, uh, to talk ill about the temple, you couldn't do it. Jesus was talking about himself. He was talking about his death, burial, and resurrection. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is, what is it these men testify against you? And Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, Under oath, it is as you say. I believe right here is a John 4 moment. If you knew who you were talking to, 
you would ask me for a drink and you'd never thirst again. The high priest answers, I put you under oath. He changes his strategy. Because the Bible says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Are you God? Jesus says, I am as you say. John chapter 10, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. The Jews took up stones against them. Jesus said, many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? And the, and the Jews answered, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. Love's greatest story has one hero, and his name is Jesus Christ. Verse 65. Well, even the last part of 64, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds in heaven. And then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said, he is deserving of death. Number five, love's greatest story always leads to victory over sin and over death. You know why? Because Jesus said to that religious group, Caiaphas and all that heard, after I say to you hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. You know what Jesus was saying? I'll live again. Cross isn't the end. I'm willingly laying down my life. I'm willingly laying down my life. Caiaphas and all of you religious leaders, you've got to make a decision. Number six, your source of truth will dictate what you believe. Josh McDowell, in his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, writes that Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. This is either not true, or he's crazy, or this Bible is true, and he's the Lord, and you have to make a decision of which one he's going to be for you. You say, Brother Greg, I, I'm, in, I'm in church, brother. Quit preaching to me. I am here. Are you living as if he's the Lord of your life? Hubert Davis, the coach of North Carolina, who will play in the finals tomorrow night, was interviewed. Hubert Davis uh, used to be a North Carolina star, went on to play, I think, 12 years in the NBA, did a little stint with ESPN, and took the North Carolina job. Hubert Davis, with a microphone in front of him, with Millions watching Sports Center said, My identity is not in coaching the Tar Heels. My identity is in my relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, Brother Greg, I'm not a Tar Heel fan. I may not be either, but I can root for Hubert Davis, who recognizes that Jesus is not a liar, he's not a lunatic, but he's his personal Lord and Savior. You see, they had it wrong. They had it wrong. 
Look at 62 again. He arose and said to him, do you answer nothing? What is it that these men testify against you? Jesus kept silent, and the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under an oath by the living God. Tell us you are the Christ, the Son of God. He says, it is as you've said. Nevertheless, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes. He has spoken blasphemy. He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look now, you've heard of his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said, he is deserving of death. Folks, they had it wrong there. Jesus wasn't deserving of death. We are. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. That's why we go to the cemetery, because of sin. Adam and Eve were created to live forever. And sin broke that. And Romans 5.12 says, sin uh, is passed down, for all have sinned. And then I'll conclude with this. Verse 67, then they spat in his face and beat him, and others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, prophesy to us, Christ, who's the one who struck you? If you're, if you're the Messiah, if you're the king of kings, then you certainly should know which one of us is hitting you. I want you to hear this clear before we leave today. They spit in his face. If I live my life and reject Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I'm doing nothing more than spitting in his face. You say, well, Brother Greg, we're a few weeks out from Easter, and we probably have a big crowd in a couple weeks. We probably will. And we're going to welcome every single person. Amen. And we're not going to look at somebody that's not been here for a while and say, where have you been? We're going to say, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. And we may see the, the roughest person in Camden walk through those doors. And we're going to say, we're glad you're here. Because there's one whose name is Jesus uh, we sang a song, the chorus says, he came running for me, running after me. Well, the cross was for us. The cross was for us. And you may never receive a gift in your life, but I'm telling you, when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'll never, you'll never receive anything that compares to that. And the ground is level at the foot of the cross. He's still on the throne and he's coming again. Beaten, taking our place, illegally tried. Never said, don't let it happen. Now, in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass for me. But he never said, if it's the only way, I'm going. He didn't say that. He recognized that the weight of sin was on him and that forgiveness could only be accomplished one way. One way. Father, if there's any other way, the Father responds, you are the only way.
and he willingly lays down his life so that we could be saved. Any Christians in this place just want to say amen? Anybody want to say praise the Lord for saving me? And you know what that does not mean? It does not mean you're better than anybody else. It means that you have a story that maybe somebody else needs to hear. You'll say, Brother Greg, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I didn't sow a lot of wild oats. I, I, I went to Sunday school when I was little, and I tried to be a good kid. Amen, if that's your testimony. Don't ever say my testimony's boring. Jesus didn't die on the cross boringly. He died to save you. Maybe your testimony is, I was a heathen. I mean, I don't know. John Keener, I'll use him as an example. I was a heathen, Brother Greg. I, I, I was doing my own thing, going my own direction. And, and I tell you, it took me a while to come to my senses, and God got a hold of me. And I want to tell you something. Praise the Lord. He's still doing it. He's still doing it. God's never seen a mess he couldn't handle. He's never seen a mess he didn't want to handle. Caiaphas and the boys, when you look at the story with Pilate, they're just trying to pass him off on each other. And listen, Caiaphas needed Pilate because only the Romans could crucify. So they're working this whole thing together as if somehow they've really got Jesus in a pickle. Let me tell you something. He's on his way to Calvary because it's the only way our sins could be paid for. I love that about the Christian life. I love that about being a preacher of the Bible. Folks, there's hope in Jesus. And I pray today that you know him and that you have that hope and that you leave here, listen, with a desire to live for him more and more committed than you ever have today. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you're a Christian, 